Having Sage approved audio for our car rides is a literal lifesaver for my nervous system. And I love making lists of podcasts to share with him when he's ready. I was so excited to hear about a new show called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, math, geared toward the six plus crowd. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time traveling adventures. Recently, we had some family visiting, and on our way to dinner, we popped on an episode of Mysteries About True Histories, math, with my niece and nephew in the car. In this episode, Max and Molly travel back in time to solve a mystery from the order of the problem solvers, along with lots of kid humor mixed in. It was a fun way to enjoy our car ride together and opened the door for some interesting conversation about history and understanding some of the mysteries of the past. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for car rides and meal times, and stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. You're listening to Voices of Your Village, Episode 3. Today, I get to talk about boundary setting. This is a topic I get questions about all the time. Let's get real. We've all been in the grocery store when we see a kid throw their body on the ground, kicking and screaming. And we've all been in that situation where we are the person with the child who is kicking and screaming. You know how it feels to have to scoop that kiddo up and decide... Do I just let them have the thing they want so that they'll stop kicking and screaming in this public space while everyone stares at me with their judgment? Or do I hold true to this and they still don't get the candy bar that they wanted? I am going to talk through why we set boundaries, what developmentally appropriate boundaries look like, and how to handle the big emotions that will come from these tiny humans when we hold a boundary. Let's get real. They're not going to push these boundaries. When we're rested, we're at home, we just have free time, everything's chill. They're going to push these boundaries when we're trying to get out the door, when we're in the grocery store, when we have to leave to go somewhere, or when we're getting dinner ready. It's never going to be convenient, and so we have to plan for the spontaneity. Let's talk through how to do that and how to respond to them in a way that doesn't make us want a cider by 3 p.m., So let's dive into some boundary setting. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass-Campbell. Hey everyone, today we get to talk about a topic that is the thing I get the most questions about. I get questions from teachers, from parents, from caregivers, from nannies. Everyone wants to talk about this because honestly, it is at the core of so much of what we do. It is something that we experience every single day and it really can change what our day looks like. It's something that comes into play with sleep, with emotional development, with literally everything that we do with these tiny humans. So without further ado, boundaries. 
You know how Mark Zuckerberg does not choose his clothes like every day? He just wears the same thing um, so that he can use his brain to focus on other like bigger things than what he was going to wear that day. That's what we want to do for these tiny humans. They are forming 90% of their brain by the time they're five. It's so insane. And we want to free up their brain to focus on all those things without having to worry about whether or not they're safe, whether or not they have to be in charge of all the things all the time. So one of the biggest ways that we do this is by holding boundaries for them, setting them and holding them. We let them know this is the rule. And even when they're tired, when we're tired, when things are different, we're going to hold that boundary. We let them know that so that they know they don't have to hold the boundaries, that they don't have to call the shots, that we are going to take care of them. This is such a huge message. Um, and it's so much easier said than done. So one of the big questions I often get is, what's developmentally appropriate? So at what age do we start setting boundaries? How do we know what the boundary should be? Um, how does this vary from family to family, from kid to kid? Do we always hold the boundaries? Those are some things we're going to walk through together right now. When we set these boundaries, our kiddo's job is to push them. <laughs> it's so frustrating, but they are designed to see, is this always the boundary? Is this the boundary on Saturday? Is this the boundary when we get home from school? Is this the boundary when we're trying to get out the door? Is this still the boundary when you're sick? Is this still the boundary when you're tired? Is this still the boundary when dad's traveling? They're going to push and see, is this always the rule? Um, and our job is to say, yeah, this is still the rule. I'm still going to keep you safe. It's so hard to be consistent when we are tired or it's the end of the day and we just want to be like, fine, I don't care. You can have whatever you want for dinner. Um, or no, you don't want to take a bath tonight. Or fine, we'll read three books tonight. Um, it's so hard to step in and, and really hold that boundary. But not just for, for them and for the long term, but also for now. We can hold the boundaries consistently for a little while, and then it gets easier. Or we can be flexible with our boundaries, and they are always going to push them. If they think that there's a chance we're not going to hold that boundary, then it's worth it for them to push, the, push it. When to start? When is it time to start setting boundaries that we're going to hold? Well, uh, it's never too early to set them. I, Especially if it comes back to like physical consent. So I was working with a breastfeeding mom who, like, my child keeps hitting me in the face while I'm feeding. And I said, it's okay to grab their hand and say, I'm not going to let you hit me. You could hold my hand instead. And to hold their hand, and if they try to hit you again, to stop them and say, I'm not going to let you hit me. You can hold my hand instead. It's kind of annoying, and you end up on repeat for a little bit. But after you hold that boundary for long enough, they learn, oh, that's not something I'm allowed to do. When I was an infant teacher, I had an 11-month-old who was working on gross motor. She was getting ready to walk, and so she would crawl over and pull to stand on anything she could. Oftentimes, she would use my body to pull to stand, so I spent most of my day sitting on the ground playing. And so she'd crawl over, and 
when she went to pull the stand, she would grab my nipple like every time. It was the worst. It was so painful. And uh, I decided like, I just can't keep doing this for, you know, however long it's going to take her to be able to pull herself up to stand. So I, the next time she came over and she went to, she grabbed my nipple and I moved her hand onto my arm. And I said, I'm not going to let you grab my nipple. You can put your hand on my arm instead. And she didn't really, you know, there was no real reaction and we kept playing and I did this over and over throughout the course of the day. Every time she'd crawl over and she'd go to, she'd grab my nipple, I'd move her hand and, and tell her you could put it here. And then I started when she would crawl over anticipating it. And when she would come up, I would just take her hand and move it onto my arm before she even grabbed my nipple. And so she, then a few days later, she crawled over and she, uh, she looked at me before she went to grab me and she reached out and she grabbed my arm and she pulled to stand and I said thank you so much for keeping my body safe and then I just kept playing with her and from then on out for the most part and every once in a while she would kind of forget and just reach up and grab my nipple and I'd move her arm each time but other than that she for the most part found a new way to do this she we retaught her brain another way to pull herself up to stand that was going to work for me too so I would say never too early to set boundaries and to enforce them. One of the biggest things about boundary setting is that we have to set a boundary we're willing to enforce. If you say, if you don't stop X, Y, and Z, we're going to leave this party, but you're never going to leave that party, then we can't say that. We can't give these empty kind of like threats. Um, we're not really looking for, for punishment here. What we're looking for is, hey, this is the guideline. If you don't adhere to it, then this is what that looks like. I mean, there are consequences in everyday life, right? Here's the speed limit. If you choose not to follow it, you might get a ticket. Um, there are rules in, in our life all around us that we have to learn to follow or deal with the consequences. And that's a judgment call we have to make all the time. And that's what we're going to give for our tiny humans too. We're going to say, hey, hey, here's the guideline. And if you choose not to follow it, that's fine. But here's what's going to happen. I was recently talking to a friend of mine who was sharing that they were at Thanksgiving and her nephew decided, I'm not eating this for dinner. I don't even like turkey. Although yesterday he liked turkey. And his mom calmly said, okay, you don't have to eat. Um, you know, you can't have any of the dessert or anything outside of dinner uh, if you don't eat the dinner, but you don't have to eat it. He was like, but I want pie. I was like, well, then you have to eat some dinner. You can't have the unhealthy food if you don't have the healthy food first. And he was just kind of sat there and was taking it in. And grandma popped in and was like, oh, it's not a big deal. He doesn't have to eat the turkey. And she was like, no, he doesn't have to eat the turkey. He just can't have the pie if he doesn't eat the turkey. It's just pretty matter of fact. And uh, in the end, he didn't eat the turkey and he didn't get the pie. The next day for lunch, he had a turkey sandwich with the same turkey and then he had a slice of pie. Uh, so we learned, all right, this is the rule. It didn't have to be a big ordeal if he didn't eat dinner. He was probably going to be hungry later. Uh, but he was going to learn. This is the boundary. This is what it looks like. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for 
all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. So when we look through different age groups, we have to look at what is developmentally appropriate. And sometimes this is hard to sort out to know what is my child cognitively capable of? Am I holding this in a way that's productive? Um, I get a lot of questions from parents about getting out of the house in the morning to go to work, to go to school, and the, I don't want to get dressed, I don't want to go to school, I don't want to eat breakfast. How do we get these clothes on these kids and shoes on them and get them out the door? And um, my number one suggestion is usually to set that boundary. You can put your clothes on or I can help you. I'm going to count to five. If you're not moving towards your clothes, if you're not putting your clothes on, I'll come help you. One. Two, three, four, five. At five, I'm moving toward those clothes. We'll often get a tiny human who's then kicking and screaming, I want to do it by myself. I don't want you to do it. I want to do it by myself. And I say, I hear that you're mad. You wanted to put your clothes on by yourself. You weren't doing it by yourself, so I'm going to help you today. We can try again tomorrow. They're still going to kick and scream most likely. And then tomorrow, you might have a different story. You might not yet. They might see, is that still the rule today? But soon, you'll have a different story. If they really don't want you to do it, they'll start doing it. It has to be something you're going to follow through with, though. If you're not going to put those clothes on them, that can't be your boundary. If when they, when you say five, and they start kicking and screaming and saying, I want to do it by myself, if we say, okay, 
you can do it by yourself. Then we might end up in that same spot. What happens if they don't? If then they're just sitting there not doing it? We're back at square one. They, in this scenario, are saying, okay, cool. She's not just going to do it for me. I can just sit here. I don't have to put my clothes on. It, it's, it's so vital that we set boundaries that we're going to follow through with. Uh, I was a, When I was a tiny human, I remember the first like distinct memory I have of my parents following through with a boundary when I realized, like, oh, man, this is for real. When they say this, this is for real. We were in church, and I was four years old, and after church, every Sunday, we would go to this little bakery, and we could each of us got to pick out a donut. And the rule in church was you had to stay in the pew. Mom had, like, crayons and paper and colored pen, or, uh, coloring book and whatnot for us to kind of play with in the pew, but you weren't allowed to leave the pew. And I saw a friend of mine a few pews up, and I really just wanted to go see her. Mom was like, not right now. We could maybe play later, but you need to stay in the pew. I didn't like that answer, so I went under. I crawled under like five pews up, and I popped up right in her pew, and I hung out with her the rest of church. My parents didn't do anything. They let me hang out with her the rest of church. I was quiet. I was, you know, not causing a scene beyond crawling under five pews. Um, they just let it happen. And then afterward, we went to the bakery, and I went up, and I picked up my donut, and they said, you might be able to get a donut on next week, but not this week. You left the pew. And I threw a huge fit in the bakery. And they just let me let it happen, and uh, I'm sure I said some really terrible things. And then when we got home, they, you know, they just got me into the car seat eventually, and we got home, and... I, there was no reaction. They didn't say anything. They didn't do anything. I just didn't get a donut. <laughs> I was mad. I mean, I was mad that they held that boundary. But you bet your bottom dollar, next week at church, I stayed in that pew because I wanted that donut. The part that I would interject here and that I want to add is the emotion coaching piece. Almost every time we enforce a boundary, we are going to have to do some emotion coaching. And what that looks like is validating the emotion, acknowledging the situation, and then just letting there be silence. Well, not usually silence. They're going to be probably screaming and yelling, but silence on our end where we don't try to fill that space. Um, I was working with a family recently. They are they have two full-time working parents and two kiddos who are full-time in childcare. And so mom was sharing that when they get home, she's like, it's just battle after battle. Um, it's, I don't want this for dinner. I don't want to take a bath. I don't want to brush my teeth. I want three books, not two. It's, I don't want to go to bed. I'm not tired yet. I need a snack. It's, you know, there's one thing after another. And she was like, it's just exhausting. I cannot keep doing this. And so I said, okay, let's, uh, let's take a look at it. Let's set some boundaries. I said, I got good news and bad news. Good news is you don't have to do this forever. It doesn't have to be this hard. Bad news, it's going to be harder before it's going to be easier. So you're going to set boundaries, and then when you go to enforce them, those kiddos are going to push back even harder to see if they really exist. And then it'll get easier. They'll realize, okay, these boundaries are real, and you won't have these nightly battles. They'll still push back from time to time, especially when... There's some transition or something's different. Um, 
but you won't have these battles every night. So here's what that looked like. Night number one, she comes home, makes dinner, she made quesadillas, and she sets the table and serves quesadillas. Four-year-old starts screaming, I don't want quesadilla, I want chicken nuggets. And she said, I hear that you're mad. You wanted chicken nuggets and I made a quesadilla. I don't want it. I'm not eating this. And he just kept screaming and she said, I hear that you're mad. You really wanted chicken nuggets and I made a quesadilla. And she said, when your body's calm and your voice is calm, we can talk about it. Okay. He screamed for a while and he said really nasty, mean things. You're a bad mom. I hate you. Uh, it can be so hurtful. They can really dig in there. And it's the last thing that you want to be doing after a long day. The last thing you want is to sit there and have your four-year-old yell terrible things to you when you know you could pop up and heat up those chicken nuggets in the freezer and make this all go away for now. But the thing is, it won't go away, right? It is just going to lead to another battle at the next step and the next night and the next night and the next night. So she stuck to her guns and she just validated that emotion over and over. I hear that you're mad. You wanted a chicken nuggets and I made a quesadilla. When your voice is calm and your body's calm, we can talk about it. Eventually, he calmed down a little bit. She said, are you ready to talk? I want chicken nuggets. Okay, I can see you're not ready to talk. You're still feeling mad. And this went on. And honestly, at that dinner that night, he never got to a place where he was ready to talk. Anytime he calmed down a little bit, she would kind of check in and say, all right, are you ready to talk about it? And it would spiral back out. Okay, you're not ready to talk about it. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you you listen to your podcasts. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions 
that help us function a little bit better. And then they went to bath and he's still mad. He's still gonna push this boundary. I'm not taking a bath. She said, I hear you don't wanna take a bath. We're gonna clean your body so you can be healthy. He's screaming, he's kicking and screaming, literally kicking. And she said, I'm not gonna let you kick my body as she stopped his foot. And then she said, would you like to take your clothes off or do you like my help? I'm not taking a bath. And so she said, okay, it sounds like you want my help. It wasn't, this was not a fun bath experience, right? Like it's this huge tantrum and it's even worse than it has been these nights before. She's like, I literally don't know if I can keep doing this. And so she, but she gets through it. She gets him undressed. She bathes him. You know, he obviously doesn't sit and play in the bath. She bathes him real quickly and he gets out and, um, he was actually this night okay with, with teeth brushing and they brushed his teeth and they went into the bedroom, got pajamas on, all that jazz. And she said, all right, why don't you pick out your two books and we can read, um, for, we can read books for bed. And you'll notice that in this whole time when he's kicking and screaming, we didn't take his books away, right? There wasn't a, if you don't eat dinner, you're not going to read books tonight. Or if you don't take a bath, you're not going to read books. It wasn't a time for punishment. And so anyway, we're, we're in the bedroom and she's, says, all right, pick out your two books. I want three books. And she said, before bed, we read two books. If you would like to read for bed tonight, please pick out two books. I want three. I don't want to read two. I want three. She said, I hear that you're mad. You want to read three books, but we're only going to read two. I'm going to go hang up your towel and give you space for a minute. When I come back, you can have picked out your books or we can go right to bed tonight. And she comes back and there are no books there. And so she said, it looks like you're not ready to pick out your books tonight. I want three books. I hear that you're really mad. You're not ready to pick out your books tonight. We're going to get ready for bed and we'll try again tomorrow. She's kicking and screaming and now all the things are coming out. I hate you. You're so mean. I need a snack. I'm starving. The whole thing. And so she puts him in bed and says, good night. I love you. I'll see you in the morning. And she leaves his room, and I told her, when you're ready to go through this, let me know, and and I will be on call for you at bedtime. And so sure enough, I, I said, you can call or text me. She called me, and she was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. My heart is breaking. Like, he's so hungry. He didn't eat dinner. I feel like I should just get him a snack. Like, he's going to wake up starving. What if he wakes up throughout the middle of the night? I hate this. Like, he's he's going to sleep in tears. And... I just let her vent and then I validated her. I said, this is really hard. It's so hard, especially at the end of the day. And all you want is to have a healthy, happy kiddo. And right now you have a kiddo who didn't eat dinner and is definitely not happy. Um, but the message you're sending him is that I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to hold these boundaries. And that is such a powerful message. And through that long term, he will be able to achieve happiness more frequently than he will if we don't hold these boundaries. He will be able to make healthy decisions more frequently than if we don't hold this boundary. If every night he gets to choose what he has for dinner, it's probably not going to be a healthy choice. He doesn't have all the information. He doesn't know how important healthy food is for his body function. You do. You know this, and your job is to hold this, and I know that right now it is 
so hard and your heart is breaking. But you should know it's not always going to be like this and it won't always be this hard. And you're sending him such an important message right now. And I stayed with her. I stayed on the phone until he was asleep. And then I stay. I talked to her for the next three nights as she went through this process again and again. And the first three nights were really, really tough. She got to the end of the third night and she was like, I don't know if I can keep this up. How much longer does this go on? And I said, I think the worst is probably over. I get my, my guess is that it's going to get easier starting very soon. You might have one more night of pushback intensely, but it's going to get easier. And the next night, there was no dinner fight. No dinner fight. They still had a bath time fight. They didn't have a bedtime fight. It was easier. She was like, okay, I can do one fight. (laughs) And the next night and the next night, it just got easier and easier. And he still, to this day, will push back every once in a while. Or sometimes he won't eat his dinner because he doesn't want it. But it's not a huge screaming match each time. It's, I don't want to eat this dinner. I don't like fish. Okay, you don't have to eat it. And that's it. He is not kicking and screaming through all the things and yelling mean things at her. So it did pay off. It did work. Holding that boundary changed their evenings. They got to have peaceful, fun evenings after coming home from work and school. She wasn't finding herself dreading picking them up from school and coming home because she knew it wasn't going to be this terrible, awful thing every night. So... What does this mean? What do you do with this information? Well, a couple things. First of all, I created a little freebie for you, um, but as a how-to. It's all these bullet points about how to enforce these boundaries and what to expect, what it looks like. You can head on over to seedandso.org slash freebies to snag yours today, and you can hang it up. You can put it wherever is going to be most helpful for you. I want this to be a resource that you can kind of call on or tap into. So wherever it's most visible and can serve as a reminder so you know in those moments, okay, I've done everything I can do in this moment and now I just have to let them express their frustration. Also, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh man, like that sounds great, but I cannot imagine like putting this into play for myself. I need more support. I run Tiny Humans Big Emotions. They are parent support groups where uh, we gather together. There are uh, five to ten parents in each group, and we dive into all of your personal questions about like what it really looks like to be you and to be in your household. And we support each other. I'm there to guide you and talk you through what this all looks like um, on a deeper, more personal level. And the groups are all broken up by age groups. So I have an infant group, toddler group, preschool group, and we meet virtually. You get to be in your cozies from the comfort of your own home. You can have that glass of wine or that cider at the end of the day. And we are all there to just support each other. And um, really, you get to have that small group support. And I'll walk through your anecdotes with you and really give you those tools for you personally in your family context um, and what feels good to you. And then... After the group is over, you get to join our private Facebook group where we all support each other when you're in the trenches, not just to say, hey, I hear you, you're in the trenches, but to really help you out. Um, I have so many 
uh, friends who have said, oh my gosh, like my mom's group is amazing. These people are my lifeline, but we're all just hanging out in that same space together. We don't have the tools to know how to leave it. Um, we're all having the same really tough experience and it's so nice to be able to call on each other, but where do we go from here? And that's what Tiny Humans Big Emotions is really designed to do, is to help you know where to go from here. So uh, you can head on over to Seed and Soap and check out our emotional development tab to join the wait list for those groups. I launch the groups a few times a year, so um, they're not always available. You can hop on the wait list, though, and I work right down that wait list by age group uh, when I launch each group. I love serving you guys, and it's been so great to just sit here and be real with you about these really personal stories and uh, anecdotes so you can get a glimpse into what it can really look like. My overall message to you, I guess I have two. (laughs) One is it doesn't have to be this hard. It really, really doesn't. I know we just say that like parenting is exhausting and hard and these tiny humans, this is where they are developmentally. And a lot of that is true, but it doesn't have to be this hard. There are still things that you can be doing to make it long-term and short-term easier um, and more manageable and more enjoyable. Uh, My other takeaway is that this, this whole parenting gig, it's not a democracy. It's a dictatorship and your job is to be the dictator Uh, They need to know that they don't have to keep themselves safe and that they don't have to make all the rules and call all the shots, that you're going to be there to do that. And by giving them that gift, they get to go off and learn and play and explore, knowing that if they're going to go into an unsafe situation, you're going to stop them. You're going to set that boundary and hold it. It's the greatest gift I think we can give them. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.seedandsow.org slash podcast. If you love the show, take two minutes to leave a review and spread the love. Thanks for joining our village. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're gonna talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.